What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a wonderful conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Kind of America, 101 stories about the true spirit of our country, stories about kindness, compassion, generosity, and love. Good morning, Amy, and happy Tuesday to you. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. I'm great. And I'm really happy to be doing this interview with you today because it led to me spending a couple of hours reviewing all of my favorite stories in the book. And it was a really great experience. And it reminded me why we made the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. But before we get started, I have a big question for you. Are you ready for Halloween? It is only a week away from today. I bought my, um, I bought my candy. I uh-huh. left it under my desk at the office so that I wouldn't take it home and eat it. <laughs> I carved a pumpkin. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, My Kind of America is an awesome book. Chicken Soup's timing for this book is perfect. We all need a gentle reminder about what truly makes this country great. So congratulations on this release. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I love the fact that we can respond to whatever is going on in society with our books because Mm -hmm. we are very efficient. And the way that we publish, we're almost as fast to get things in front of our readers as, say, a magazine would be. And so... We realized this year that America was crying out for stories that would reassure Americans that we really are okay and that our country really is the place that we think it is, despite the dreadful actions of a tiny minority of Americans. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we only decided to make this book, I think, probably in February. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had it to the printer in the middle of the summer and had it out at uh, the end of August. And people have been, you know, writing to me and calling me and saying that they've been crying as they've read the book. Oh, wow. It has made them so happy because you have 101 stories here that are about Americans doing what Americans are known to do, which is mm-hmm. be kind to each other. Um be respectful of each other's religions, cultures, lifestyles, skin colors, that we're all in this together. And Mm -hmm. this book highlights that inclusiveness and Mm -hmm. also the great generosity of Americans and how they reach out to help each other. And so it's it's a book that just makes me smile because (laughs) it just tells us that 
we are the country that we thought we were, despite this tiny group of idiots who are out there. <laughs> I understand. What's beautiful about this book is that it reminds me, I am an immigrant, but I've been here for 30 plus years or so. To see the country grow, all the things that we are experiencing right now, I can assure you, having come from a different country, it's still the best place to live on earth. I can assure you that. Yeah, that is true. And we have so many people who wrote stories about various hardships that they endured because they were different, you know, mm -hmm. whether they were black Americans or Muslim immigrants or um, undocumented immigrants from Mexico who were cleaning mm -hmm. houses to start out. Mm -hmm. They all talk about how this is still the best place to live and how happy they are that they are here. And, um, and, and all of the little acts of kindness that have helped them along the way. And so it really is a wonderful reassurance. Um, and, you know, I noticed just yesterday I saw on the news that Starbucks is just starting a storytelling series that is doing exactly what our book does. They're doing a series that reassures people that America is still okay and that Americans still um, live by what we mm -hmm. believe to be American values. And right. I thought, isn't that interesting? I'm, I mean, I think we're really onto something with Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Kind of America. And on the cover of the book, we kind of stressed the words kind and America. Yes. Um, those words are really big. Cause what I didn't want anybody to do was misinterpret the book as some kind of... of Exclusivity kind of thing. I yeah, like what my kind about. of yeah. America is in America where everybody is, you know, yeah. a wasp or whatever. And so <laughs> I made sure that I really emphasized the words kind in America so that nobody would misinterpret what mm -hmm. our book is about. And then on the cover of the book, we have a whole bunch of pictures of you know, a rainbow mm -hmm. of different Americans. And so we have mm -hmm. whites and we have blacks and we have Hispanics and we have women wearing head coverings and we have all different kinds of people. It looks a little bit actually like Obama's 2008 campaign, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, marketing material. Um, mm -hmm. It's reminiscent of that, but it shows this ra rainbow of different kinds of Americans Mm -hmm. um, who all mm -hmm. live together in harmony most of the right. time, and which, is, right. which is, of course, is what America is about and why mm -hmm. all of our immigrant ancestors came to this country. Right, right. So true. For the record, I know we brushed a little bit about politics and so forth. This is not about Republican or Democrats or independents and so forth. I'm a registered Republican, but I vote for the best candidate that I feel will bring our country forward in a new direction of inclusivity of everyone and be the best it could be, that's what brought me to America in the first place. Right. And I don't vote exclusively on one ticket either. Mm -hmm. I vote for mm -hmm. the person. And many times it's I wrote half Republican, half Democrat, just depending mm -hmm. on the person and the position I'm voting for. Um, I know plenty of people who voted for Trump who are absolutely horrified Right, by this right. outbreak of hatred that they see in this country where a, a tiny subset of Americans right. somehow feel empowered to live out the, their basest instincts, basically. And that is mm -hmm. a tiny minority 
of the people who voted, no matter which way they voted. So we're very aware of that. It's not a political book unless it's political to be in favor of traditional American values of inclusiveness, kindness, volunteerism, respect for each other's differences. If if all of those things are political, then it's political, but I don't think it is political. This is just a book about what – it's a book about the America that we actually believe we live in and want to live in. Well, let me put it this way. I mean, coming from the outside, it's not political because I've read the book. And number two is that the most important thing is that it's about human values. When you talk about human values, the right in the pursuit of happiness, what are we looking for? Happiness, blessings, and abundance. There's no political color to that. Everyone in the world pursues that. But in America, it gives you the opportunity, the equal opportunity to succeed. And that's what this book is all about. It's a quick reminder why we came here in the first place, going back to the forefathers and actually beyond that because they were inhibitors of America. But America is the promised land of opportunity and giving everyone the opportunity to make it. Now, we have two choices. We can look through the lens of love or we can look through the lens of fear. And if you look through the lens of fear, then you become protective. But then in the end, if you look through the lens of fear, you're looking in the mirror and you're looking at yourself. And this book is not that. This book is basically telling us, hey, guys, look at ourselves and see how much we can achieve because this is we the people. That's what makes this country great. Yeah, so this book also shows us that Throughout history, even if we look back at historical times and we think, oh, mm-hmm. there was a time when such and such prejudice existed, in fact, it didn't. I mean, I, I was fascinated by um, a story in Chapter 2 called The Other Bus Story. It's mm-hmm. by Cynthia Gary. And in that story, she talked about how her mom grew up in the 1950s in South Carolina. And her mom was her mom was a little girl and she got on the bus one day in this little town in South Carolina and she sat in one of the front seats besides a white, beside a white woman and her mother said no no we have to go sit in the back and the white woman said to this little girl no it's okay you can sit here you'll have a better view and nobody protested all the white people mm-hmm. sitting in the front of the bus were fine so the mother went and sat in the back and the little girl sat in the front And that story about Cynthia's mom, who was the little girl, has been told for decades in her story as a reminder that even when we think, oh, everybody in South Carolina believed that, you know, African-Americans should sit in the back of the bus, that wasn't Mm -hmm. true. Because here you had all the citizens just quietly saying, no, that's silly, of course, sit in the front. And I talked to Cynthia on my podcast, and she told me, Another story that wasn't in the book, which was that mm-hmm. her mom, when she was a little girl, also one day went and drank from the supposedly, you know, whites-only mm-hmm. water fountain. Mm-hmm. And again, nothing happened. Nobody cared. And right. so her point was her family has always held on to that, that, you know, we all look back at history, especially I live in the North, so I don't even know anything really about mm-hmm. what it was like to grow up in the South during those times. But we just kind of assume oh, everybody was in favor of that, but they weren't. There have always been people quietly standing up for what's right, 
speaking up for what's right. Mm-hmm. And I find that very, very heartening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. How many stories did Chicken Soup receive? Oh, my gosh. There were thousands of stories for this because people were so passionate. And we actually also had received, I think, over 6,000 stories for a book that came out in February uh, that was called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Random Acts of Kindness. And we had so Mm -hmm. many great stories for that book that we rolled a bunch of them over into this book. So we had a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of stories that moved over from that previous collection process, plus the thousands Mm -hmm. that came in. So it was very hard to choose, but what I tried to do is choose stories that represented every kind of experience. And so we left out plenty of great stories, but if we had a bunch that were all on the same topic, we could only use one. And I just tried to really show stories that represented everybody in America and a real real diversity of writers and a diversity of experiences. But they were all on this central theme that America is a kind place and we do treat each other right. And the vast majority of Americans mm-hmm. do believe in tradition, tradi- traditional American values. And so mm-hmm. that's how we chose from the thousands of stories. In all the Chicken Soup for the Soul book, this truly shows the diversity of the contributors. you got a bunch of men and people from different ethnicity in the book. I thought that was just simply fabulous. I'm so happy for you guys for doing that. Well, thanks. You know, when my husband and I bought Chicken Soup for the Soul in 2008, I was turning 50 at that time, and the last child was going off to college, and we could have just retired And instead, we decided to do this crazy thing, which is buy this company (laughs) and work harder than we've ever worked before in our lives. Mm -hmm. And the only reason we were going to do that was so that it was more than just a job and so that our business Mm -hmm. is more than just making payroll for all our employees. Mm -hmm. We wanted it to have meaning. And this is amazing for me because I can create these books that really do make a difference and that help people. And in this case, I know that Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Kind of America, is making a difference because it is opening people's eyes to mm-hmm. the diversity out there. What, mm-hmm. what our books do is they introduce you to people you wouldn't otherwise meet. Right. You know, you're sitting there in Maine, and we say, hello, would you like to meet this woman whose mother grew up in South Carolina? I'm going to introduce you now. And Through these little vignettes, you meet people from all over the country who you wouldn't meet in your day-to-day life because you live in one state and you only meet the people around you. And so I love the fact that I can introduce people to each other and allow them to share their stories with each other and really make a difference and broaden people's minds and really give them like case studies of what goes on all Mm -hmm. over the country. So mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of fun putting these together, and I just am systematically going through all of the topics that I feel are the most important to people and creating books on those topics. Wonderful, wonderful. Please share with us the various chapters in this book. Well, the first chapter is called Our Common Ground, and it's just a lot of stories that remind everybody of our shared values and how no matter who you are, you all share these basic values. And then the second chapter 
is about speaking up for what's right, and the idea is to empower our readers to do what they want to do, which is to speak up when they see something that's wrong. And the third chapter is called 3,000 Miles of Kindness, and it's really stories about travel, people traveling Mm -hmm. all over the United States and the amazing acts of kindness that they receive as they travel. And then we got so many great stories about honoring our service members. So chapter four is called Honoring Those Who Defend Us, and it includes all kinds of stories about people buying meals for service members that they see and doing various kind things for our service members as they encounter them in airports or in restaurants or in stores. And then Chapter 5 is called Community of Caring, and that has stories about communities, which are microcosms of you know the country, coming together and helping each other. For example, there's a story called My Ferguson by Sue Roslowski, and she talks about her friends who ran a restaurant in a difficult, you know, tough neighborhood in Ferguson, mm-hmm. Missouri. And, of course, that was the place that had all the rioting, looting, et cetera, after um, a police officer was not indicted for killing an African-American citizen of Ferguson. And she talks about how she assumed that her friends, who were white, how their restaurant would be looted and destroyed. And, in fact, when she went to see it the next day, it was fine because the customers of that restaurant had stood in front of the restaurant all night with their arms linked and told all of the looters, leave this one alone. These people are okay. Then Chapter 6 is called A Vibrant Melting Pot, and it's all kinds of fabulous immigrant success stories where we meet immigrants from all over the world, and they tell us their stories and how they started out and how they worked really hard to pursue the American dream and where they are now. I mean, Some of these people are unbelievably successful now, and they started out with absolutely nothing. Chapter 7 is called Where Kindness Counts, and it's some really great individual stories of Americans being kind to one another. Chapter 8 is called Making Things Happen, and it's about volunteerism and people doing really cool things at the local level and just creating great change in their communities by just getting an idea and deciding to do some kind of volunteer project. Chapter 9 is about immigrants again. It's called Our Dynamic New Citizens. And Chapter 10 is about role models. And it's stories about some really great people who who stood up for what was right or, or who did great volunteer work. And we just present these stories to show you you know, 10 wonderful Mm -hmm. Americans and what they did for other people. So it's really an awe-inspiring book and one that you come away with feeling like, wow, I just met 101 really great people. This is terrific stuff. The most important thing, what I got out of the book is the fact that you guys are so successful in providing the different spectrum that it's not just one particular group. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading the stories? I think that they're going to gain reassurance that America really Mm -hmm. is still the place that they think it is. And Mm -hmm. I think also it will give readers that little nudge that says, hey, when you have a charitable impulse, when you feel like doing something nice for somebody, you're in line at CVS and you see a soldier in front of you, and she's got a whiny kid with her, and she's struggling 
to pay and her kid keeps asking for something and she keeps saying to her kid, no, I'm sorry, I don't have enough money for that, that it's okay for you to go ahead and pay for it. Because often we kind of squelch those charitable impulses and we think, oh, I shouldn't interfere. Oh, maybe I would embarrass that person. Oh, maybe it's Mm -hmm. not right for Mm -hmm. me to say anything. And it turns out that people are fine with that. And we have so many stories in here about people having that charitable impulse and then acting on it and how the result is absolutely fine. And I know that throughout the years that I've been working on Chicken Soup for the Soul books, I've read so many stories about people acting on those impulses to give Mm -hmm. that it has emboldened me to do that more and more often. And I think that our readers will come away from Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Kind of America, feeling the same way that it's okay to have that thought about doing something good and then go ahead and and actually do that good thing. And you know who feels the best when you do that. It's not the beneficiary. It's the person who actually did the kind thing. You're the one who benefits the most. So true. Well, it's all about your intention. If your intention is to make someone's day a better day, to contribute to someone's happiness, then you gain the same energy back. So that's the difference. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about Chicken Soup's latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Kind of America, 101 stories about the true spirit of our country, stories of kindness, compassion, generosity, and love. Well, Amy, let's talk about some of the stories in the book. Unfortunately, I can only choose a few of them for us to talk about this morning. These are some of the stories that kind of speak to me personally, so I'm excited to share it on the air with everyone else as well. Chapter one, Our Common Grounds. Faith to Faith is the story by Frank Stern. Yeah, this was a great story. Frank is a new writer for us, but he's the boyfriend of one of our longtime writers, Terry Elder, and so we were so glad to meet him. And I actually got to meet him in person out Mm -hmm. in California a few months ago. So his story is about the fact that he was uh, the retired rabbi of a synagogue, and the synagogue had a kitchen fire one night, And there was quite a bit of damage to the synagogue. And so they had to shut it down for more than a year to do the repairs. And they didn't know where their congregation was going to go. They couldn't go to another synagogue during that time because the other synagogues were already full. And so the local um, Mormon, I guess it's called a stake, which means like the stake is the name of an administrative district of the church. Um, So the local Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, said, you can use our building because you worship different days than we do, and they refused to accept any payment for that, and they said they would assign their own members to set up for the Jewish services and clean up afterwards. And so the members of the synagogue used the Mormon temple for 14 months until the synagogue was repaired. And then as they were moving everything back into the synagogue, which, um, by the way, this is very cool. They they were a mile and a half apart from each other, the Mormon mm-hmm. temple and the synagogue, and they lined up in a row, and they carried stuff that mile and a half, passing it from one person <laughs> to another. Um, and that's how they got the six Torah scrolls back into 
the newly refurbished synagogue. Mm-hmm. They handed it from Mormon to Jew to Mormon mm-hmm. to Jew over a mile and a half. Uh, so I could just visualize that. It's so cool. It sounds like something you'd see in a movie. But anyway, as they were going through all the old files and putting everything back, they found a series of letters between the president of this particular Mormon temple and the synagogue's president, and it was about how when the Mormons were building their building many decades earlier, the synagogue had let the Mormons hold their worship services for more than a year in the synagogue, and nobody had even remembered that. And so it turned out that it was a a reciprocal relationship because now, decades later, the Mormons were hosting the Jews and decades earlier, the Jews had had hosted the Mormons. Isn't that just fantastic? I mean, I grew up in Malaysia and of course, as a child, it may be different now, but as a child, among friends, we couldn't care less about the religious background that we came from. All we care about, and ironically, maybe as a kid or a guy thing, we're excited about diversity of food that we can taste in the different religious holiday. And so we will be rushing off to someone else's house, this house, that house, throughout the year, and just enjoy it. God is God. In the end, this story reminds me of that because it's all about us. That's it. Who cares? We're here now, and whoever needs help, we just need to kind of step forward and just get it done. I agree. And so it was the story that I started the book with. It was story number one, which, of course, is a place of honor in any of our books. I like another story in this chapter. Then the title of the story is Just Lucky by Victoria Fadden. Yeah, so Victoria lives in South Florida, and I think I think she's actually going to be um, part of an event that's being held in South Florida on November 4th uh, with Laura Sue Wolanski, where they're going to be doing readings from the book because we have a number Mm -hmm. of South Florida contributors to the book. But Victoria writes about one year when it was just before Thanksgiving and her favorite pearl earrings broke. And so she needed to get her earring repaired. And so she went to her normal place at the mall and it was uh, a place that was actually staffed by a young Muslim woman And the young Muslim woman sold all kinds of religious things. She sold crosses. She sold um, crescents, you know, which are the Mm -hmm, symbol of mm -hmm. Islam. She sold stars of David, which are the symbol of Judaism. And she sold little silver American flags. So all of these things were together, sparkling away in the velvet trays of this little jewelry kiosk or store. And this young Muslim woman was wearing, you know, the traditional conservative Mm -hmm. garb. And... She said to Victoria, oh, I can't fix your earrings quickly enough for you to have them back in time for Thanksgiving, but you should go to my friend. He has a kiosk, and he can fix it right away. So she sent Victoria to her friend, and Victoria was so surprised when she got to this kiosk on the other side of the mall Mm -hmm. and discovered that this kiosk was run by um, an Orthodox Jewish man who was wearing his yarmulke and was from Israel and was great friends with this young Muslim woman at the other jewelry Mm -hmm. store. And so she just talked about how cool that was, that these two very different people were such good friends. And she saw this fabulous integration of religions in their jewelry stores with symbols of all these different major religions being sold together. 
I love the story. It reminded me about when my mom and I were going around when she was shopping in Malaysia, and it reminded me of that bazaar layout where you have different merchants here and there. It's about I'm shopping for something. Everybody gets along with everybody. You have a beautiful melting pot that it's just beautiful. We don't care. All we want is helping one another. Doing business in the end, it's not about you. It's about me. I'm trying to make a living. I want to do it the best way I can. And guess what? Yes, I have principles too. Not to basically rip anybody off because it's to help others. In essence, that's what the story is all about. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, chapter two is another great chapter. This is something very, very interesting because it is about having the guts to speak up. And the chapter's title speaks for itself. Speaking up for what's right. The story that I really love is Making Choices by Marianne Fosnow. So Marianne was a little schoolgirl, and she was in a school district. She was in um she was in a school district that had busing, but she didn't know. She was just a little kid. And her best friend, Shauna, was African-American. They were in third grade together, and Marianne didn't really think anything of it. And then they were going to have a class trip, and so the kids who were bused in were going to need to sleep over um, at the houses of the kids who lived right there the night before the school trip. So Marianne invited her friend Shauna and this was in the 1960s. And Marianne went mm-hmm. home, told her mom that she was going to have her friend for a sleepover. Her mom, knowing that Shauna was one of the kids who was bussed in, said, well, you'd better talk to your father. And Marianne talked to her father. And her father said no, because her friend Shauna was black. And Marianne was just shocked. She was just stunned. She cried. She just couldn't understand this horrible attitude from her parents, especially her father. And she resolved that night that she was not going to grow up to be like her parents because it was just plain wrong. And she Mm -hmm. went back to school. She told Shauna she couldn't have her over, and Shauna said, oh, that's okay. But Marianne knew that it was not okay, and she shared the story with us in the book. And what's important about it is that, you know, it shows us you don't have to be like your parents. You can be better. You can be more inclusive. You can leave behind any traditional prejudices that exist among the older members of your family. Right. I like to think, in all honesty, there's certain things that happen in the world, even right now, and how we feel about certain things. Some of those are generational stuff. But we as adults have the opportunity to make that right choices. Now, of course, you may make the choice to lean towards whatever you feel and believe. There's nothing wrong with that. I still respect you for that. That's okay. But the key to this story is the fact that as a child, we're all equal. We don't look at somebody else different. As adults, we have responsibility to make choices as well. What are we teaching the young ones? If we want them to look through the lens of fear for the rest of their life, then somewhere along the line, as adults, we have to take ownership of that. Or we can show them how to look through the lens of love, and that's how you leave a legacy of love. That is true, and that's (laughs) what our story is all about. Chapter 3, 3,000 Miles of Kindness 
A Side of Kindness by Courtney Mooch. Okay, so this story is interesting because I think that some of us have preconceived notions about who might have voted for Clinton, who might have voted for mm-hmm. Trump, what people's belief systems are just based on how they look. And so Courtney was in a restaurant last year. It was Christmas Eve. And she saw a couple of Hispanic men at the table next to her, and they asked for their check. And the waitress said, no, no, I can't give you your check because it's been taken care of. And the men said, we don't understand. And the waitress said, well, you don't owe anything. And the men said, no, we ate. We must pay. And she said, nope, nope, somebody took care of it. Merry Christmas. And the men just didn't know what to do. But they looked around, and the restaurant was crowded, and they could see everybody was smiling at them. So they got up and they left, you know, a little Mm -hmm. surprised that somebody had paid their bill. And it turned out that it was um, an older couple, white, who were at a nearby table. The the man had a thick southern drawl. He was wearing a trucker hat. And he fit Courtney's stereotype view of somebody who would not be in favor of immigration. Mm-hmm. And yet they had paid for the meal of these two Hispanic men. And the woman said to Courtney, there's been a lot of ugliness in the world lately, hasn't there? Some people have seen it more than, more than others. We saw a chance to let someone know not everyone is against them. And this happened Christmas Eve. 2016. So this was right after mm-hmm. the elections. And remember how right after the elections, there were those idiots who felt mm-hmm. empowered to go and do horrible things. And they were attacking immigrants all over America, mm-hmm. telling them, well, now you're going to have to go home, blah, blah, blah. So this was the reaction to that. And so I thought that was a good reminder that no matter what somebody looks like, we should not assume that they are prejudiced or non-welcoming because no matter how people look, they probably do share those traditional good American values. This is what it's all about. It's in the spirit of America. Chapter 4, Honoring Those Who Defend Us. And this is another wonderful, wonderful chapter, The Least We Can Do by Lynn Yates. So this is another story about paying someone else's bill. And in this case, Mm -hmm. Lynn Yates was at the store with her husband and they were buying groceries and they, you know, checked out and then Lynn's husband handed her the bill because she kept track of the credit card records and she looked at it. She said, wait, this is like $200 higher than our bill should have been. And her husband said, I paid for their groceries. And she said, what? Well, there had been a young military family, two customers behind them in the line And her husband very discreetly had said to the cashier, put $200 extra on my bill and then apply that to the the bill of the couple, two behind us. And if there's change left over from the $200, just give the change to them. Mm -hmm. And so the cashier said, I'll do it. And Lynn discovered from her husband that he did this all the time. And he said, I, I do this constantly. It's no big deal. And please don't tell anyone. And so she actually used a pseudonym for this story. Her name is not actually <laughs> Lynn Yates because she was protecting yeah. the privacy of her very generous husband. Earlier this month, I was at Kroger's just to pick up a few things. There was a food drive for a local food pantry. 
And the lady gave me this little list and says, can you just pick up one of these pieces and put it in the box? And I said, sure, of course. So I went around and somebody needs a can of beans. And I was looking at it. Oh, my gosh, it's only like 50 cents. I mean, I could give a little bit more than that. So I ended up actually buying more for <laughs> to give to the food bank that I did for myself. So when I came out the front, I went to see her. And she says, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? I said, well, these three bags are for you guys. <laughs> and this one bag is for me. Like you mentioned, Amy, it made me feel great when I was reading that little list. I noticed that it's not anything fancy, you know. It's basic macaroni and cheese. Raymond noodles. These are just basic get-by food, food for sustenance. So I am so glad that I was able to contribute from that perspective. That story reminded me a lot of that. That's why I chose that story. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. We always feel great when we give, and I know you loved this other story in the chapter by mm-hmm. Tracy Rosiniak. Um, and she's, she's a, a young lady, I think high school or college age, I guess she's college age now. And what was cool was she and her father both wrote stories that were in the book. So her father was thrilled, you know, the proud father. (laughs) He actually invited um, me to come to a barbecue at his house a couple of months ago. They were celebrating the the publication of Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Kind Uh of America. And I would have loved to go. It was only like an hour and a half away, but I was busy that weekend. But Tracy wrote this story, Please Don't Leave, about going to... West Virginia from New Jersey to do um, like a high school service trip with her church. Mm -hmm. They were members of something called the Appalachia Service Project, and they were refurbishing a home that had suffered damage from a fire. And she met this little girl who was six while she was there, a shy little girl who ended up coming out of her shell and sitting with her, and they were exchanging hugs by the end of the week that she was there. But the little girl started telling her about what her life was like in this, you know, terribly poor section of Appalachia. And Mm -hmm. it made Tracy, you know, a high school kid, realize how frivolous all of her concerns were. You know, like, what am I going to wear Friday night? Or what celebrity (laughs) is doing what on some silly reality television show? And she said she developed a much greater appreciation for all the blessings of her life. So it's, when you do good, you, you really come away with two things, this wonderful, warm feeling because you did help somebody. And the other mm-hmm. thing is you come away way more grounded and way more aware of the blessings in your own life, and it really gives you such a valuable perspective. So true. I chose this story because I like the concept of the fact you have an impressionable young woman going through and experiencing life as it's meant to be. She herself can see and make than form decision herself. And to come forward through in a one way, maturing through her own authenticity and seeing that what are we worried about or what should we do and what can we contribute to someone else from the perspective of how can we help them to achieve what we already have, so to speak. And I like the fact that this was a high school girl because mm-hmm. one of the things I find in many Chicken Soup for the Soul stories is children or parents talking about that time when a reluctant child was dragged off to some volunteer activity (laughs) by the mother or father, and then the kid comes out of it so changed for the better. That's right. I know you you loved this story called Truly America in uh, Chapter Mm -hmm. 6, which is called A Vibrant Melting Pot. And the story is by this young Muslim woman named Zara Hussein, and her mom 
dragged her to this interfaith group at church. And Zara really just wanted to be with her friends that day, and her mom (laughs) made her go and sit there with all these bigger kids and also different adults. But the cool thing was that it was this church basement that was filled with people who were obviously from all different religions. She said there were... Mm -hmm boys wearing turbans, like Sikh turbans, and boys wearing Mm -hmm. yarmulkes. There were men and women wearing traditional clothing from all different faiths and countries, and they were all hanging out together, and what what they did was they put posters up on the wall for different religions. And so you went and you stood underneath the poster for your religion, whether it was Sikh or Judaism or Hinduism or Catholicism, And then they broke into small groups and they taught each other about their faiths and they discovered all the similarities in their faiths. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she came away really proud to be American after that experience. And I thought that was lovely that her mother was helping her, helping open her eyes to the diversity and inclusiveness of our country. It's a beautiful story. I'm so glad you brought up about the fact that there are a lot more similarities across the board than it is differences. And that's something that, again, do we choose to go with something that we all share or something that we don't? Please go with something that we share. You'll be surprised at how you can build so much going forward. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio as well. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We are having a wonderful conversation about Chicken Soup's latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Kind of America, 101 stories about the true spirit of our country, stories of kindness, compassion, generosity, and love. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. I love another story in this chapter is that We the People by Amanda Yardley. Well, Amanda was a kid in school. She was in seventh grade, and that's not when girls are their nicest. You know, that's a tough age. That's when (laughs) girls are very clicky. It's really hard to break in, you know, in seventh grade. And this new kid came to school. She spoke little English. She was from Ukraine. She dressed differently. Her hair was in these long braids down her back. She just seemed very different. And so the teacher asked um, Amanda to make friends with this girl. That was her assignment. And Amanda said she would do it, and she smiled at the girl. But inwardly, she was cringing because she thought, oh, this girl is weird. And, you know, I'm going to be shunned by the other girls. Because seventh grade, I would say, is like the epicenter of awful little girl mm-hmm. behavior, you know, when it comes to clickiness <laughs> and shunning, et cetera. But it turned out that the girl was really interesting. And although she was teased by many kids, um, Amanda and her friends were nice to the girl and over time realized that this girl was fabulous. And everybody ended up mm-hmm. liking her. And she ended up becoming Amanda's best friend. And so that was just a great lesson. And then when they were in college, um, her friend made Amanda open her eyes even more to other cultures. She made her go to a Hindu festival of lights at her college Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. eat different foods and dress differently and do different like Indian dances. 
and um, and it was a real eye opener for Amanda. So she welcomed this girl into her culture, and then this girl turned around and opened Amanda's eyes and made her more open minded about participating in other cultures as well. Mm-hmm. You talk about the experience of the different culture. Nothing beats being there in person and experiencing the whole atmosphere. When I was growing up, that's what I had the opportunity to experience. My friends, we're not focused on things that are different. We focus about the things that we like, and that makes a big difference in my life and in there as well. Chapter 7, Where Kindness Counts. I love this. Two Guys by Garrett Bowman. So this is about um, some volunteer work that Garrett did. Garrett volunteered to do repairs and carpentry for homeless families, and they had an emergency at one point because somebody had actually gone to one of these emergency homes for homeless families and had kicked in the front door and had vandalized the home, even smashing holes in the walls. And so this Hispanic family was in this vandalized apartment. Now, these were people who had come to this country. Well, actually, they were already in this country. They came from Puerto Rico. So these were Americans who moved from Puerto Rico to upstate New York. And the man had suffered a worksite accident, and he was confined to a wheelchair. And so they lost their income. They lost their apartment. And they were in this shelter temporarily. It was just horrible. The man was only about 30 years old. He was this very muscular guy. He'd been a wonderful construction worker and now everything was terrible for them. So Garrett went over to do these repairs and watched as this husband slid down the stairs on his rear end. Then when he got to the bottom, he grabbed a crutch, pulled himself up and into the wheelchair. And he was trying to help, but there wasn't that much he could do from a wheelchair. And then Garrett couldn't get the lock out of the broken front door. And this man mm-hmm. came over and indicated in Spanish that he would take care of it. And he fixed the front door, and Garrett understood how this man wanted to help himself and how he felt so terrible about accepting charity from a fellow American. And uh, it was just about the communication that went between these two men, even though one spoke only English and one spoke only Spanish. Mm -hmm. The beauty of this story is just more of the fact that when someone is in need, just be there, contribute. That's the difference. And I love this story. Having the guy starts to open up and share the wonderful stories of kindness that we sometimes don't do because we tend to just blow it off in the sense, oh, it's no big deal. But it is a big deal because what I like about it is that by sharing, then someone else can see that, wow, I want to be as Garrett is in terms of being able to contribute to someone else's happiness. And he also, in his story, introduced us to a homeless family and showed us Mm -hmm. how they became homeless and how it could happen to anyone. These were hardworking Americans who were contributing to society, and the husband suffered a workplace accident, and like many Americans, didn't have thousands of dollars in savings to fall back on. And so they went from taking care of themselves to all of a sudden being dependent on other people's kindness. Right. Right, so true. Well, that's what they're experiencing right now in Puerto Rico. And these yeah. are Americans. Yes, yes. Chapter 8, Making Things Happen. And I love this. Caught Doing Good by Judith Lutkin. So Judith um, 
had these pencils that she had bought, and the pencils said on the side of them, caught doing good. And you hear news stories once in a while about, mm-hmm. about people giving out like kindness tickets or little rewards when they see random acts of kindness. And so that's what Judith did. When she saw somebody doing something nice, she handed them a pencil that said, caught doing good, and a little business card on which was printed, caught doing good, I saw you, you did a nice thing, it was appreciated. (laughs) Your decision to share a kindness will inspire others to do the same. Thank you. And so she saw a young man who threw garbage into the garbage pail, you know, on the street corner, Mm -hmm. and it missed. Mm -hmm. And instead of pretending that he hadn't seen that it missed, he actually went over and picked it up and put it in the garbage. And she just handed these out to people, and then they would ask her, hey, can I have one of those also? I'll I'll pass it on to the next person. (laughs) And we had a number of stories like that in the book about people doing little kind things for strangers just to recognize them for the little acts of kindness that they were witness doing. Right, right. Catching someone doing something good is very difficult because we tend to swing towards catching someone doing something wrong, don't you think? Yeah, but I mean, I remember we had a segment on our Hidden Heroes television mm-hmm. show about somebody who went around giving out tickets. And yeah. people were like, wait, what did I get a ticket for? And then she'd say, you got a ticket for doing something nice. Right. And I think I've read stories about various police departments in the U.S. and Canada where the police office would go around and give people tickets for doing something nice. And sometimes right. those tickets could be used for teenagers to go and get prizes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's definitely a movement for doing that. And what our book does is it says to people, hey, if you've been thinking about doing that, well, here's some examples of people doing it. And you won't be embarrassed. People will receive you happily when you do that that little thing for them. Right. So true. Chapter 9 is another spectacular chapter. Love this. Our Dynamic New Citizens, a special kind of support by Isla Jacob Lieber. So nobody is safe from me. If I meet somebody who has an interesting story, I make them write the story up for our books. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I met Isla Lieber out in California in May and learned that she was an immigrant from Mexico who had come in with nothing and had cleaned houses and done all kinds of labor. She she came to the United States at age 17. Um, She came to New York. She spoke no English. She had never been to high school, and she had grown up in various foster homes. And when she arrived here, she worked at a factory that paid her $3 an hour. She took English as a second language classes at night. Then she worked as a live-in housekeeper while she got her GED, she um, did all kinds of you know, menial labor, housekeeper, mm-hmm. babysitter. Then she was a cashier and a dog sitter. All the time she was improving her English. She worked as a receptionist eventually when her English was good enough. She went to five different community colleges. She ended up earning her high school degree, her college degree, her master's degree, She's now an English teacher, and she was named a California State Teacher of the Year. This is this woman who came in as an undocumented worker. She is now a legal American, and she's Mm -hmm. one of the best teachers in the state of California. So when I met her in May, I said to her, you've got to give me your story for our book. (laughs) 
<laughs> and she did. And I'm very pleased to have presented it to you. I'm so glad you did that. This is just totally awesome. And again, it's about giving a person the opportunity to grow. People come to the United States for that opportunity. It's not trying to siphon away something else from someone else. It's about the opportunity to be their authentic self and drive themselves to the American dream, so to speak, and succeed. So this beautiful story epitomized the entire concept of immigrants coming here for that one reason, to better themselves. And in this case, everyone comes here. Once you get it, you want to contribute back to society to help others, to leave a legacy of love, so to speak. And she did it very, very well. Chapter 10, Role Models. It's a beautiful chapter. Letters from America by Adrian Augere. So Adrian's daughter was seven, and they had seen a video of children who were being rescued from Sudan after their parents were killed and their homes were destroyed. And her little daughter wanted to give her entire monthly allowance to this charity to support one little girl her age in Sudan. And Adrian pointed out, well, you know, you're not going to have any allowance left for yourself. You're going to have to send all of it in. And her daughter said, that's fine with me. So for many, many years, her daughter had no spending money because her entire allowance went to support this little girl who was her age in Sudan. And they became pen pals. And eventually, they met each other when uh, Adrian's daughter was 18 and the little girl over in Africa was 18. And now these girls remain great friends, but now they are in their late 20s, and now they don't communicate by letters anymore. Instead, they just Skype each other. But this is an amazing story about, I mean, I didn't, you know how they tell you you're going to be supporting this specific kid, but you don't believe right. it? Well, right. it was actually true. She was supporting one specific child with her donations, and they grew up together. And this little girl... <laughs> in Africa, had said when she was seven years old that she wanted to be an accountant. Sure mm -hmm. enough, she grew up to be an accountant. And so I thought that was a really great story about this little girl who gave up her all of her allowance, all of her spending money for many, many years, and how it worked out and how she has this wonderful friend now in Africa. Amy, we're living in a global village. And if we take advantage of it, everyone wins. That is very true. What is your favorite story? Well, they're all my favorites, and we've already discussed we've discussed yeah. many of my favorite stories today. Uh, there's one we didn't discuss that I really mm -hmm. love by Laura Sue Walansky. And Laura's in South Florida. She's the one who's hosting this um, reading from the book and this, this mm -hmm. event that's going to celebrate Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Kind of America. So she's in South Florida, and she's a member of a group that um, brings Jews and Muslims together to work mm -hmm. together in their community and to promote interfaith awareness and understanding. So her story was about this mosque that was built in her community, and it was very much opposed by the elderly Jews living in the apartment building next door. And mm -hmm. they opposed it, but the mosque was still allowed to be built. And then Hurricane forget which hurricane it was now. It might have been Irene. Anyway, a big <laughs> hurricane came along, and the high-rise apartment filled with the elderly Jews lost its power for a week, and these people were basically stuck in their apartments. 
because there were so many staircases they would have had to go down, and they couldn't walk up and down all of those stairs. So the congregation that was at the mosque spent a week carrying food and water up those stairs to those elderly Jews next door who had opposed the building of the mosque. Well, that created a whole change in attitude. And <laughs> when that mosque wanted to expand and build another building in a new neighborhood, and the members of the apartment building next door to that new location were protesting at the county board meeting <laughs> who spoke up for them but the elderly jewish residents of this building who said these are wonderful neighbors and you're you'd be crazy to keep them out of your neighborhood <laughs> so i thought that was a great story it's a beautiful story it's about the diverse community do you have a personal story that you would like to share i think what what I got from this book was even more of a, of a reminder to go ahead and follow those those impulses that you have to give. And I think that's mm-hmm. what I got from this was just the – that I felt like I'm given permission if I want to give somebody something, if I want to pay somebody's bill, if I want to step out of line at CVS and pay the $2 that the person – who's up at the cashier short, I can quickly do that and then get back in, back into line. And so it just gave me more confidence. It empowered me to follow those impulses that many of us will try to squelch during our days. So true. It's not about the big thing. It's about those small little things that in the end, it makes you feel good and others feel good as well because you're sharing your energy, so to speak, from that perspective. So what's next with chicken soup? Well, we have a number of really big books this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, after My Kind of America, we have a great book, and I know you already spoke to um, Kelly Sullivan Walden about it, our book, yes. Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. Then we have a book uh, that has just come out called Chicken Soup for the Soul, a book of, a book of Christmas Miracles. And then we have a book coming out on Halloween called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Step Outside My Comfort Zone. I know you and I are going to talk about that one mm-hmm. in November. And I'm really excited about that one because it's a new topic for us. And I am so passionate about following another kind of impulse. We talked about the impulse to help people <laughs> and be charitable. But another kind of impulse is to do something new and different that you're slightly afraid to do. And Chicken Soup for the Soul, Step Outside My Comfort Zone, very much encourages us to step outside our comfort zone, do those new things, do those, do those things we're a little bit afraid of. And we feel so good after we do those things. We feel so much more powerful. We feel younger. We feel more dynamic. And so that's going to be a really fun book for us to talk about the next time we get together. Wonderful. I'm excited about that. What wonderful recipes do you have? follow listeners this morning? Well, I guess I would, today's recipes would be recipes that help remind you that America is okay but, and that you do live in a kind America. And so one of those tips would be to remember that we really do respect each other's religions, and that is a cornerstone of what our country was built on. Mm-hmm. Another is to realize that even though we read history, and and that has these broad brushstrokes about what happened, that really and truly inside that history have always been people who were resisting bigotry. And then I think another recipe is to go ahead and 
honor our military service members or reach out to an immigrant, but feel that you can perform those random acts of kindness that occur to you throughout the day. And another thing that I love and is a nice, mm-hmm. another great great ingredient is to feel passionate about the strong tradition of volunteerism that we have because I think the U.S. and Canada are two countries that really support volunteerism more mm-hmm. than it exists in many other parts of the world, including first world countries. And then finally, to remember that we still are a land of opportunity and hardworking immigrants do come here and pursue the American dream and achieve it. And we shouldn't feel like that's over. It is not over at all. It is still occurring every day all around us. That's fantastic, Amy. Thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, October 31st. My guest will be Dr. Barbara Jaffe. She is the author of When Will I Be Good Enough? A Replacement Child's Journey to Healing. Dr. Jaffe and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey through her unique perspective as a replacement child. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you, Johnny. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop! At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS, wireless, figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop! At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS, wireless, figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.